Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Frakes. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market, and are the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out the easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Matt onto the show. So, Matt Frakes, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's fantastic to have you here, mate. Matt, man, appreciate you. I'm very excited to be here, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, man. It's going to be good fun. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff we're going to cover, but before we get started, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and uh, what you've been up to until now? Yeah, so Dr. Matt Frakes, or Matthew Frakes, I uh, just finished my PhD here uh, this past May. Uh, I looked at my research was in the impact of sports nutrition and concussion recovery. Um, and also, I am a sports or performance dietitian here for University of Louisville. Uh, prior to coming here, um, I was getting my PhD and also a graduate assistant for University of Mississippi or Ole Miss. Uh, worked primarily with uh, baseball and also track and field. Um, and then I took a associate director position at University of Louisiana. So uh, myself and another um, RD was actually co-directors and helping and supporting the nutrition needs of 18 collegiate athletes. I mean, 18 collegiate sports um, for that university. And then I actually um, I used to be a collegiate athlete myself. I played football, um, American football, if you will. Uh, for Bowling Green State University. That's where I did my undergrad and master's at. Um, and then my wife and my two-year-old son and I, we actually took a position to get back closer to home uh, to Columbus, Ohio. So University of Louisville was hiring. It was a chance to work with uh, Dr. Pat Ivey and also Melissa Krausen. And now we're here and I'm the primary, I'm the man for when it comes to men's basketball needs. And also, uh, I also work with volleyball and softball too. Um, and men's soccer. And I'm also helping out as far as like developing concussion support and what we need to do as far as nutritionally. And hopefully I can get that protocol done. But COVID and everything happening has thrown wrenches in all plans. So we're just adjusting here and there as, as we go. I think uh, a lot of people can emphasize with uh, with spanners in the works, of course. Um, but you've been a busy man. So you've, uh, you're absolutely the person to speak to on uh, nutrition for concussed athletes. Uh, can you give us a quick introduction as to what happens in a concussion and why it's an important topic? Man, there's so there's still so many things that happens in a concussion that are unknown and that we are still continuing to uh, research and look at as well. So, as you know, uh, within the sports related concussion, it's a functional injury that typically happens in team sport athletes, uh, whether that is soccer or football. Um, wrestling, combat athletes, um, American football, women's basketball, women's soccer as well. And it tends to happen more so as far as for um, for actually women athletes and also male wrestlers as far as the research that was done. So within a concussion, ha- what happens and as basic as I can say it, there is um, some type of uh, 
functional damage that occurs where it alters cell and also physiological functions, uh, physical functions, and you have symptoms that occur in response to that brain alteration, um, that rapid acceleration and deceleration of the brain um, that causes that traumatic brain experience and injury to occur. Um, that can alter as far as uh, the metabolism. This is where my part is very important because it alters the metabolism as far as like how you utilize glucose and energy function. Um, it can release as far as those free radicals that can cause inflammation. Uh, it can weaken the blood brain barrier that can help with nutrient absorption. Um, it can also cause leakage of those ions of like potassium, chloride, calcium. Uh, that also causes inflammation as well and decreases signaling for the brain to actually uh, function properly. Um, it can also cause cell death. And then as far as it can also cause an overactivation of basically uh, neurons as well. So the overfiring of those neurons because of the fact it's trying to bring itself back to homeostasis. So that's a, a very, very complex set of issues in that sense. For lack of, yes, man, that, that, that's, that's the easiest way to say it. it's very complex and we're still learning what it does and what occurs as well and the timing of it too. So, so based on what we know happens and based on uh, your research as well, what are the, the key diet recommendations which you can give to people with a concussion? So the main thing that what I try to look at is the fact of the matter of one of the common symptoms is the loss of appetite. Um, and as far as that's still trying to be discovered and why that appetite, all we have is theories. Um, so as far as the main thing that can be as far as recommended for individuals that do experience a concussion, since there is an energy crisis or um, hyperglycolytic state that occurs, which is an acceleration of glycogen breakdown. Um, since that state occurs, there's a heightened need of energy and energy demand. The hypoglycolytic state or hypoglycolysis that starts after it can start, it can start anywhere from, um, 30 minutes to six hours after that six hour mark, or even that energy crisis can last anywhere up to weeks on end. So with that being said, you just want to ensure that the individual is getting the adequate nutrient and dietary intake as quick as possible and as consistent as possible. Um, because it takes, nutrients. It takes food in order to meet that energy demand. And also you want to make sure you have as far as those foods, such as fruits and vegetables that can help reduce the inflammatory, uh, uh, the inflammation uh, that is occurring within there, having those high antioxidants too. Um, the other thing is that's all that's seen and solidified is having ensuring that you're having those omega-3 fatty acids. So things that are in fish, nuts, seeds, oils as well, um, and upwards to four to six grams, actually. I know we commonly have as far as only 2,000 milligrams or two grams, especially if you do it supplementally, but you kind of want to up that dosage in there as well, depending on the uh, the state of that individual and athlete prior to you implementing these things. So you have to run an assessment. Um, but again, going back, 46 grams of DHA, making sure that the individual is meeting that energy demand and energy intake. So having that calories in there, making sure you have quality foods in there as well, those antioxidants, those uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, and also another thing that's coming about is ensuring that the microbiota um, and gut health is up to par too. So having those probiotics um, 
rather supplementally, but having more so a diversity in your food intake. So having more so as far as like yogurts, sauerkraut, whatever it is that has those probiotics that your culture or whatever that the individual consumes on a routine basis and having that quality food to support and feed those that good bacteria within that stomach to ensure and help that um, nutrients are supporting that recovery process as best as possible because of that gut brain interaction and connection as well. I think that's and that's another thing is creatine supplementation too. Sorry, the creatine yeah. supplementation too that came that's starting to come about also in the support and, and importance of brain health and cognitive function. And uh, can you like so? I want I want to pick on three things, <laughs> which is uh, no, which yeah. could could get us down a bit of um, a cul-de-sac. But um, firstly, the uh, the fatty acids. What kind of um, uh, physiological underpinning is there for for the inclusion of fatty acids? Well, we see that the DHA uh, is more so going to be DHA. Obviously, with omega-3s, you have DHA, EPA, ALA. Um, but the DHA in itself will actually uh, promote synapse formation and also glutamate receptor expression. So that's just basically saying that it helps with the connection and also helps protect as far as help rebuild um, the permeability of that cell and also allow that cell to communicate with each other, with other cells and allow for nutrients to help, you know, go in and out of that cell the way it's supposed to. And it can also protect against basically the uh, plasticity of neurons. It can also help with uh, impaired learning that occurs with concussions uh, and also oxidative stress and cell death too. So that is the main value of why DHA needs to help and support that. And basically the, the reasoning behind as well and what its main focus is to have that. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. And uh, that that same question, so the physiology, um, in terms of the, the gut health, um, how does how does that then affect the brain? There's, there's some kind of signaling process uh, involved in that? Yep, because tra- uh, traumatic brain injury, it results in, in poor gut motility because of that connection, and that disrupts the blood-brain barrier as well. So um, that also primes the microglia and also neuroinflammation. And when it primes that, that can be due to actually just, you can say rogue or just an, um, um, not really dysbiosis, but actually you can say dysbiosis, but just over, just way too much bacteria going in areas that's not so really supposed to go. Um, and, and, and hindering that connection as far as for that blood brain barrier to adequately allow nutrients to get to the brain. 
So when you have good bacteria and they're populating in a good diversity of bacteria as well, um, that helps with that connection to make sure those interactions are taking place and actually to send the signaling for the blood brain barrier to actually help its uh, self and support the brain to allow nutrients to get in there and help decrease inflammation a little bit and help those neurons to connect and give the nutrition that the brain needs to function properly. I think that's super interesting, and I'm going to bring you down one more path, which isn't related to the, uh, the or is related, but it's not uh, entirely uh, on topic for today. Um, for creatine uh, and the and the brain, how much research is there, and is there strong research to suggest that creatine might be um, particularly useful? So honestly, it's it's fairly new. It is fairly new. Um, there's a recent there's a recent publication. Um, what was his name? His name starts with a D. I'll, once I once I get the once I get the information, I'll actually send that to you. Um, Kandal, I believe. Um, Darren Kandal, I believe, back in 2018. Uh, well, he there's also a systematic review as far as what that, but it's it's like I said, the creatine and supplementation that's all fairly new. As we know, as far as that creatine can actually support basically those acute uh, physiological symptoms uh, experienced with the concussion. And that's due to the fact that it can actually facilitate recovery because, you know, creatine, the ATP PCR system, um, if our listeners are very versed as far as in the phosphorus system and things like that, creatine is that readily available substrate that can be used in intense and also immediate um, physical activity and bouts of activity, sport, things like that. So that creatine in itself will allow to be able to be utilized as um, an energy source for that cell because of how accessible and how easy it is to be able to grab a hold of that and utilize that as a source of energy. And that's because the, the glycogen breakdown um, is suboptimal post-concussion. Uh, Exactly, because it's impaired. It's it's impaired. So that creatine will help provide an alternate substrate, an alternate source of energy to help support and give the cells the energy it needs in order to continue to fire and communicate and tell the the brain and the rest of whatever the uh, support, whatever the symptoms are, to kind of alleviate and help itself just give itself what it needs as far as to recover because of that, like you said. Absolutely fantastic. I find this all super interesting. Um, and what I think is going to be really important is how we translate that into uh, practical examples and recommendations. So can you give you, give us a practical example of how you've applied this information, um, in, in your practice? Absolutely. So I'm, I'll work backwards. So as far as with creating supplementation, because of our work, uh, for NCAA institution, um, it, Right now, that is an impermissible supplement as far as what sports dietitians can give their athletes. So at this current moment, I cannot give creatine. All I can do is educate, support, and also tell and instruct the athlete the safest method and the product that is third-party tested that can potentially help with that. Um, so, But that's at the athlete's discretion. So... Um, other than that, working backwards again, then we go into the probiotics as well. That's where I may even, depending on, I know my athletes fairly well. I like to do assessments and kind of know and understand them prior to any injuries or anything happening. So I kind of got a grasp on what I'm working with because we work with athletes that come from all different shapes, sizes, 
cultural backgrounds, ethnicity. So they're exposed to different foods as well. And depending on also what economic background that they come from too. So what they have a diverse population of, then I may need to throw in that probiotic in on a daily basis, especially throughout the graduation return to play protocol. So that probiotic is in there. I also help guide them to instruct them, okay, throw in some yogurt as well, whatever is safe for them to consume. And also things that may help feed that to help populate, making sure that they have those fruits and vegetables too. have a fruit and vegetable on the side or with every single meal, because you don't want to completely change entirely that athlete's or that individual's uh, dietary intake, especially if they're not used to eating certain foods, because that may cause that person to not want to eat entirely, especially if you're dealing with a loss of appetite. You want things that are appetizing to them. So you got to give and take. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. So yes, even if it's something that is not as um, nutrient-dense, and you know what I mean, especially here in our Western um, culture of food, when we have, you know, the burgers, the pizzas and things like that, and also a lot of ultra processed foods as well, then you just want to, OK, here, if you eat this, then we got to make sure you have as far as fruits and vegetables on the side at every single given time and also as a snack. Um, just trying to work with them as much as you can and making sure that they have, if possible, uh, quality protein as much as possible, too. And having that adequate balance performance plate. So that performance plate, you'll have basically um, uh, half or a quarter of lean quality protein. You'll also have fruits and vegetables as far as on the side. You'll throw in some beans and some nuts and seeds in there as well. And then having that on consistently, at least at least um, throughout the meal pattern that the athlete typically consumes or in a general perspective, um, and I don't want to oversimplify because it's still not known maybe three to four times throughout the day and making sure that they have those. Um, if you don't have the supplementation, those adequate snacks, those trail mixes, those nuts, those seeds, um, those little small yogurt cups, things like that. Snacking consistently, providing the body and the brain with adequate energy it needs to continue to recover, but also providing the alternate substrate sources as well um, to help with that, too, because we still are trying to learn how the body met um, metabolically kind of utilizes and approaches certain nutrients and how it uses these things to support the recovery process. Because even even as far as my research was looking at, okay, if I provide energy throughout the energy crisis that happens in that short, acute time frame, um, will that actually help support having a, a faster recovery time? That is still unknown. It's still unknown. But all you can do is just try to help if that person has a lack of appetite and also you want to make sure they hydrate then you just want to make sure that you're giving them foods that are quality as much as possible consistently and then work in whatever that person can have and what they can do and what they seem like they'll be able to eat and consume. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it in terms of a practical sense from saying like, it's not always about having the most amazing um, Instagram ready plates of food with healthy vegetables and stuff. Sometimes it's about just eating food um, yeah. and giving them that as an extra. Okay. Yeah. If you're going to eat a pizza, then eat a salad at the same time um, to make sure that you're getting what you actually need as well as just calories in. Yes, brother. Exactly. Exactly. You said it best. People need food. Not just nutrients. You just because <laughs> there's the food gives you other nutrients as well. There may be some things that we don't even entirely know just yet because we're still studying. Nutrition is ever evolving. So you just want to make sure that they have the food, eat food. <laughs> I think that's a, a very clear <laughs> message, mate. A very clear message. So 
In terms of uh, in terms of rounding off, um, we've got the the most difficult question that we can think of. Um, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the world can learn from? Oh man, honestly, I would say um, when I first came in, I, I I tried to prove my intelligence. Um, now looking back, man, it's it's okay to say when you don't know, and it's okay to say and approach things at a at the most. A humble level. You never want to come off as you know everything entirely uh, because you're a human. They're human. You're working with other humans as well. Um, no one's perfect. So you got to have that empathy and you also got to be able to have that relatability. So making sure that you relate at whatever aspect that that person can um, and will do. The more that we do that, the more we treat people as people and not products. Um, and not treating them as um, a product of objectives, winning championships, um, doing well and competing at a high level at all times, because there's always uh, variability. There's always experiences that that person is going through mentally, physically, emotionally that you may not account for and you cannot control. So you can just only meet that human as the individual they are and where they are. And not try to go textbook and buy the book all the time. And sometimes you got to throw that damn book out the window and treat them as a person. So, Absolutely fantastic. That's wonderful advice. Matt, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I hope you're doing well out there. I know it's probably later out there. It's early as heck. I got my workout in already. <laughs> um, got my coffee in, as you see. So uh, keep being great, being blessed, man. And let me know if you ever need anything. And I, and I had a great time just speaking and hopefully, you know, it reached some people and it helped. I'm sure it did, mate. I'm sure it did. Thank you very much. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Matt for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really enjoyed it. And I hope you don't home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Coach Academy. And the Coach Academy is a resource full of mini courses, which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. Specifically of interest to you if you enjoyed today's podcast is the Carbohydrates for Team Sport module, which is presented by our very own Dr. James Moran. So if you're interested in grabbing that one for free, be sure to have a quick look in the show notes where you'll find a seven-day free trial to the Coach Academy and you can get all of that great information completely for free for seven days. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you can give us a like and a share on social media and spread the good word. And make sure you subscribe using one of the links in the show notes. So whichever podcast subscription user you use, be sure not to miss an episode by clicking subscribe using the link in the show notes. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.